does for us. If he never did another thing for us, but we'd still be able to be thankful just for him sending his son Jesus to die on that cross for a sinner like me. Let's start off today in Romans 12, 1 through 2. I know it looks like I have a lot of scripture, but it'll go pretty quick, pretty fast. And it's going to make mention of some of them just to make some sense. Um, I did my testimony on Thursday night, and this kind of goes along with the same. I have one scripture that went along with my testimony. There was a, I think it was more of a message than a testimony, but this just goes a little further on that. Anybody remember what we talked about Thursday night? You do? Yeah. All right. As a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I'm in uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 right now. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptance unto God, which is your reasonable service. So since God did send his son to die on the cross, a terrible, horrible, painful death, so that he could call me to be in a relationship with him, and that I could be forgiven of my sins, to be wadded up and cast away as far as the east is from the west, put behind me, never brought up again to me. I could stand in the presence of God without having to feel embarrassed or ashamed. Yeah. Because those things are gone. He doesn't see those. He doesn't see me for what I was anymore. He doesn't see me for that anymore. Amen. Amen. And all he's saying here is, for your reasonable service, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and, holy and acceptable unto God. That's a small token to pay, right? Yeah. We deserve death, but he gives us life. Verse 2 goes on to say, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Ye, we discovered last week, was a singular form of thou, right? Or a plural form of thou, I'm sorry. That means all of us. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. That's King James Version, so it's a little bit twisted up there. Some of us new Christians especially may have a little bit of a hard time understanding that. So I'm going to break it down for you. I'm going to give you some definitions here. First off, it says, be not conformed. The definition of conform is to fashion alike, to fashion self according to. So don't Live your life according to the world, or the way the world would tell you to do it, or the way the world would have you do it, or what's commonplace in the world. Don't live your life in that manner, he's saying there. Be not conformed but this, to this world, but be ye transformed. Transform, the definition of it is, we think of it as a change, right? It says, to change radically in an inner character, condition, or nature. Has your life changed radically since you came to the altars and gave your life to God? Have you changed radically? Let me ask you this. Are you continuing to change? Yeah. Was it just a one-time hit for you and it was over and you went back to where you was at? That's where some of us are at, I think. And it goes on to say, by the renewing of your mind, the definition in the, in the Greek of renewing is renovation. To renovate. Think about that. We're renovating this building. It takes work. Or you either have to get up and do some work yourself or you have to pay someone to do the work. In this case, though, you can't pay someone else to do the work for you. You say, well, how do I do that, brother? I, I came down here, you said that all I have to do is confess Jesus as Lord with my mouth and believe that he was resurrected and I'm saved. That is true. You are saved from that point forward. But what he's saying here is, what Paul's saying is there's some work to be done. 
You see, Jesus transforms our spirit. He changes our spirit. I'm going to get into this a little bit later. That's the first change the Holy Ghost does. It goes on to say, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good. And prove means to discern, allow, or examine. So to discern something, you're going to sense this, right? Yeah. So it says, so let's read it like this. You're going to sense what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. What is the will of God? That's a big question, right? There's, I think there's three different, or two for sure, maybe three different definitions of the will. The sovereign will of God is, is things that God has said that are going to come to pass. Without fail, you can take it to the bank. When God says it, it's going to happen. Yes, amen. That's the sovereign will of God. That's one sense of the word will. The revealed will of God, however, is do not steal, do not lie, do not kill, do not covet. It's things he wants us to do. Go out and preach my word. Step out on his calling I've given you. Things that he wants us to do, but they often don't come to pass. They're dependent on us. It's the will of God, you get it? He wants it to happen, but we have to do something for this to happen. Other things have to take place for what God wants to happen to happen. You see, I was prophesied over that I was going to preach. I knew that I was going to pastor this church. I knew that I was called to do that. However, if I would have never stepped out on that call and I would have never stepped out on my faith, what would have happened? We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. The whole thing would have happened. Same thing with your callings. Not that I'm anything. I'm not saying that to put myself on a pedestal. Same thing with your callings. If God's telling you, if he's urging you, if he's saying to you, do something, you do this for me. No matter how small it seems, how minor it seems, you see, God knows what's going to happen in the future. It says he knows the end from the beginning. Right? You follow me here? Mm -hmm. Tracking with me? So if he knows the end from the beginning, he may tell you to do something minute to your little head. To my little brain, it may seem small. But in the big picture of things, he knows what's going to happen. He puts things in place to cause those things to happen, to do his revealed will. He shows us something. Sometimes he just shows us a little bit. He doesn't show us the whole thing because it'll look way too big for us to do. He knows our faith isn't there yet. So sometimes he'll show me a small step to take. And then when I take that one, he'll show me another step to step out on, another step and another step until pretty soon it's ramped up here and I can see the big picture of things. I don't know as much as God does by any means, but I can still see the big picture of things. Then I was reading another report, and, and this man that wrote this report talked about spontaneous godliness. And I believe this is the will of God also. It's wisdom where we continuously apply the word of God with our renewed mind to complex moral circumstances, to hundreds of things we do or say all day, every day. That's where we live at. It's the will of God for us to follow his word. It's the will of God for us to step out on our faith and do the things that we're supposed to be doing. But are we doing those things, church? Are we stepping out on our faith? Are we stepping out into our callings? Are we living the way we're, that we're supposed to live? So we're going to be able to sense what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Jump back here to 2 Corinthians 5. 17 and 20. I just lost a bookmark. I hope that's not what I need. This Bible's full of bookmarks. I try to pull them out sometimes. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and we're going to go to 21 right this. It says, you may say, well, Pastor, how do I get there? How do I do these things? It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, 
He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are come new. Right? So if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. It doesn't say he gave you spiritual life. When we're born, we're spiritually dead, right? It doesn't say that he just gave life to the spirit I had. It says he gave me a brand new spirit. I'm a brand new spirit. You get that? The Bible says that his spirit bears witness with me through my spirit. This is how we have to change our way of thinking. It's up to me to renew. I'm, I'm my soul. That's my spirit. See, we're, we're a spirit. We have a soul. We possess the body. We live in the body. You follow me? Yeah. I'm trying to teach on this today. Instead of doing so much preaching today, do a little bit more teaching and explain to you and break it down for you and show you because we have a lot of new Christians in here and maybe some older Christians don't understand because the Bible says that the Word of God is the only thing that can separate the spirit and the soul. And I believe that should be done just for teaching. There's no other reason to separate the spirit and soul. But for today's purposes, the spirit is what gives you breath. That's the real you. So, so God's spirit is speaking through me, through my spirit. As soon as I got saved, as soon as I realized that Jesus Christ was Lord, he died on the cross for me, and he was resurrected. God resurrected him back to life, and he did this to pay for my sins, and I'm a sinner. And I said the prayer of faith with him, right? Yeah. Everyone in here has done that thing? Said the prayer of faith? Yeah. Now where do we go from there? Do we sit back and relax in it? This is what he's talking about here. All old things are passed away, and, and new things... And, and behold, all things become new. So when that spirit is that you've been given a brand new spirit, it's never been here before, then we have to renew our mind. Right? We're going to get us to the next scripture. 21 says, For he hath made him to be sins for us. I'm going to bring these all back together here in a minute. Make them make some sense, I think. I'm just showing you where this is in the Bible. For he hath made him to be sin for us. He's talking about Jesus there. So he made Jesus who was sinless, who was flawless, who had never done anything wrong. He made him sin, which is what I was. He made him sin for me. Who knew no sin, that we might be made righteous of God in him. So then he made Jesus sin, and he died to pay for that sin. But through that, he made me righteousness. He made me the righteousness that was in Christ. So I'm perfect, and I'm sin-free once I say that prayer, right? Once I'm saved, I'm, I'm completely sin-free. I have a righteous spirit. You may say, Pastor, this is getting into a lot here. All I thought I had to do was say a prayer, and I was going to heaven, and you are. But we have to, Paul said, he who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Folks, there's work to do on the way, the way through this thing. Um, Proverbs 23, 7, we talked about this Thursday for all 11 of you who are here. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And he, let's break that down a little bit, he could be a man or a woman, right? Mm -hmm. So if we read it like this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And a heart's not this muscle that pumps blood. That's not what he's talking, it is that, but that's not what he's talking about here, right? In Proverbs, Solomon was talking about my heart, my spirit. So whatever I think I am in my spirit, in my soul, that's what I'm going to be. That's what I'm going to become. I talked about this when I did my testimony. When I was a worldly man, I lived in the world, I thought one thing of myself. So guess what? That's what I was. I was that person that I thought I was supposed to be. But when I had a true encounter with Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost came inside of me, and he gave me a new spirit. You follow me? That spirit started to speak to my, 
the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the big S, spoke to me through my spirit, the little S, which in turn started speaking to my soul. My soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions. Right? That's the part we're trying to get to heaven today. So when my spirit bears witness with my soul, it's up to me. Do I want to change some things here? Or do I want to continue living in the, in the mess I've been living in? We all have a decision to make. We all have, this is something we all should be working on. So as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 1 Corinthians uh, 5, 9 through 11. It's my next scripture. And that's my bookmark that fell out. It says, this is Paul right here. And this is what happens. This is just an example here. You may say, well, I'm saved. I said the prayer, so I'm on my way to heaven. Let me, let me, let me give you here what Paul says about people who have said the prayer and have been given a new spirit. But when the spirit speaks to their spirit, the inward witness, then, he, then it comes to my mind, to my soul, and I choose to do nothing with it. You see, the Holy Ghost, he's a gentleman. He's going to constantly be leading you and guiding you. He's going to constantly be telling you the right ways, the righteousness of God. He's going to constantly be telling you how to change your life. And I have to make a choice there. I can listen to him, and I can do what he's telling me to do, or I can do whatever I want to do. You see, God made us with a free will, and he lets us make that choice. Paul's right here about people who came into the church. They've been saved, but they choose not to do anything with it. He says, I wrote you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Everybody knows what a fornicator is? I'm not reading this today to call out specific sins or anything. The Bible says, for him that knoweth doeth good, and doeth it not to him it is sin. It says we're not bound by the laws anymore. You know what sin is. It's good if you're sitting here. If you're listening to the inward witness, you know what you know where sin hits you out in your life anyway. I'm not doing this to be condemning of anyone today. I'm just doing this to show you the big picture things. This is what Paul says of you. If you get saved and you continue to live in the lifestyle you're living in, or you were living in, or the or the, you know, rolling in the muck, basically. Instead of coming up and being a king with with Jesus, you know, you, you're rolling around it still. Yet not all together with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or idolaters, idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. You get what he's saying here? It's King James again, so it's a little hard to understand for some of the newer ones. What he's saying is, I'm telling you not, not to sit around with fornicators, people of sin, people who are living in the world. But he's saying not the people who are out in the world, because if you, had, if you couldn't be around anyone like that in, when you're out in the world, you'd have to leave the world. You couldn't be here. Yeah. Right? You follow this? Yeah. But what he's saying, he goes on the next verse to say, but now I am written unto you not to keep company if any man is called a brother. You see what he's saying there? Be a brother. Once you come into the church, you're in the body of Christ. You're called a brother. Keep coming if any brother is called a brother. Be a fornicator or covetous or idolater or railer or a drunkard or extortioner with such and one not to eat. So he's telling you, don't even sit at the same table with someone if they've came into the church, if they've been saved. Now I understand we're all at different parts in the walk in our walk. And you're not going to be radically changed. You could be radically changed as soon as you're saved. But a lot of you, me, I'll tell you about my own personal life. It took me a while to get there. It took me a while to get from point A, being a sinner and living in the world, to being what I am today. And I still have, I haven't arrived by any means, don't take it that way. I have not arrived, but it, take, it, it takes a while to get there sometimes. But if someone knows better than to do something, to him that knoweth to do good, 
yet doeth it not, if he's willingly sinning and willingly not wanting to change his life, if the Spirit's telling him things, if the Bible's telling you, don't even sit at the same table with that person. He's going to be judged harshly. This is what happens if we choose not to do that. We'll end up falling away is what it does. Um, generational curses is tied to this. And I'm jumping around this a little bit. <clears throat> Proverbs 23, 7, for, he that, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. This is where generations is tied to generational curses. We talked about this a little bit on Thursday. When I, when I came up in my life, I saw my dad, my uncles, people in my family that I looked up to. I saw them living in one way. It didn't seem like they had any kind of circumstance or any kind of a consequences for that. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you, babe. Uh, it didn't seem that they had any kind of consequences for that. So when I went out of the world and I got a little older, I started thinking this way in my mind. I thought that was all right. What are we showing our kids today? Yeah. We can leave. Well, I'm going to get off that for a second. Matthew 5, 6. You don't have to turn there. It says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. That righteousness is Jesus, right? If we're hungry and thirsting after Jesus, it says, for they shall. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say might. It says they shall be filled. When I was doing my testimony Thursday night, I talked about all the time I was living in the world. All the time I was trying to fill things with what I was doing, worldly things that I was doing. I felt like I had a void inside of me. And I'm not the only one who feels that way, I know, because we're all the same. I felt like I had a void inside of me, and I was trying to put alcohol, I would try to put drugs in this void, I would try to put women in this void, I'd try to put whatever I could put in this void, but I never could fill it. It never did any good. It, it, maybe it, it probably even got worse. It, it just grew. It snowballed on me. It, it does that to We're all the same. It does that to all of us. If we're living in a thing, when we hunger and thirst after Jesus, that righteousness, that righteousness fills that void completely up. Yes. Where we're whole and we're complete. It causes a true change to happen. It causes things to change in our life. It causes us not to be one like we want to be like we were. So when that voice speaks to us, it causes us to want to change. It causes us to want to look like that righteousness. This is how we break the generational curse. We can continue doing the things we were doing in our lives before. We can continue doing the things our grandmas, our dads, our moms, whoever did in the past before us. We can continue doing those things. And we can pass along generational curses to our kids, our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews. That's what we can do. Or we can hunger and thirst after the righteousness, after Jesus Christ. He'll fill that void. I don't want my children to have that void. I don't want my daughters to be like that, my sons to be like that. I don't want them to have that void. If we fill that void, that void, then guess what happens? Instead of leaving a curse, we leave a legacy. We leave a legacy. For our descendants. It's your choice today, people. It's our choice today. You know, maybe we haven't been doing exactly right. Maybe, I'm not saying this is not set at the same table with people to cause you to be in judgment anyone. I'm saying this today. I read this scripture today to cause you, if there is something there that's not right between you and God, I beg you, get up and run to the altars today and make it right. Pray through again if you need to. Get a hold of God. We can break this generational curse. We can leave a legacy. John... 15.11 says, the fullness of the Lord produces joy. You get that? The fullness of the Lord. Are you following us here? If we have the void, we hunger and thirst after Jesus, we will be filled. The fullness of the Lord produces joy. Fullness, in this context, in the Greek, means a perfect supply. 
Jesus has a perfect supply for everything that you need. Yeah. If you'll hunger after him, if you'll chase after him, if you'll thirst after him, you'll have joy. Amen. Think about this. When you first met your wife or your husband or your any significant other you've had, you say, maybe say, I'm not married, but you, you've chased down someone of the opposite sex before, right? <laughs> Everybody in here's probably done it. Yeah. What'd you do? You went after him all the way, full force, when there was someone you really wanted, right? You get where I'm going with this? Yeah. You didn't say, well, I'm bored with that. I don't, I, don't want, I don't have time to fool with that. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to pray today. No, you did everything you could do. You may have went to work. You may have caused you to miss work a couple days. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. You went full on with it. You were in love with this, or you were, you were falling in love with this person. Should, how much more should we be like that with Jesus? Amen. How much more should we be like that Amen. with God? That's right. That's all I have as far as the sermon today. So now comes the altar part, the most important part. <laughs> can I get every head bowed at this time? If that's you today, can I see you slip your hand up? Say, it's me, Pastor. I haven't been doing what the Spirit's quickened me to do. I haven't been following God in the same ways I should be. I know better. Thank you for the hands. Thank you for the hands. Thank you for the hands. It's confirmation. It hit me too. It hit me right at home. If there's something you need to get under the blood between you and God, please come to the altar today. Step out. We're going to pray for these folks a little bit. Is that all that's four of us? Four of us the message spoke to? Thank you, Daddy. Thank you for the hands. Check yourself where you've been with this lately. Maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord at all. Maybe you have known him in the past before and, and maybe you let some things slip in between you. Slip in between you, you and him and, you, and your walk's not where it should be or where you'd like for it to be. This is your chance today. Come to know God. The Bible says... All you have to do to be saved is believe that he's the son of God. Believe that you're a sinner. Believe that he died on the cross for your sins. He's been resurrected and he's coming back again someday. I think most people probably believe that or they wouldn't be sitting in this building. Because that's you and, and you need to make a new commitment or maybe you haven't had a commitment with God. Can I see your hand at this time? Everyone here knows if you passed right now, or if the Lord stepped out of that cloud, that you would, beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're going to heaven. You're on your way. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Thank you for the hand. Folks, can we do the sinner's prayer here? Real quick. We didn't have a hand raised today. And that's great. That's what we're here for. New commitments today. You would just repeat after me. Father, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I want to do right. I want to do right. I want to listen to your spirit. I want to listen to your spirit. Please lead me and guide me. Please lead me and guide me. The rest of my days. The rest of my days. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name I pray this. In Jesus' name I pray this. Thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the people that sit in.